you in the name of all that is good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. reading a, about a gentleman who wrote a couple of books named Robert Greene. And he wrote a couple of books. One I know is The 48 Laws of Power, and the other one was called Mastery. And he was asked one time, if you were to give someone just a five-minute overview of what it takes to master something, what would be the most important factors to take in consideration? And he said, well, to master anything, you will not be able to do it unless you take in consideration this very important point. It is something that you have to understand. And according to him, their brain, I would say our mind, really learns best when it's emotionally engaged in something, when it really wants to learn, when it's motivated. And he gave an example. And he said that, let's say that you wanted to learn Spanish. I'm actually learning Spanish or relearning some of my Spanish. I've been taking this on this, over the pandemic. I've been using this app called Duolingo to, 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 to up my Spanish game a little bit. And but anyway, he's saying, say you want to learn Spanish, you can either learn it in school or you can go over to Spain. And while you're in Spain, you fall in love. But the person you fall in love with doesn't speak English, so you have to learn Spanish in order to communicate with that person. And that would be a motivating factor in helping you learn Spanish because your heart is in it. And so he said, in order to master anything, fall in love. Now, he was talking about it in a bigger way, but he was also talking about romantic love. And of course, love is many levels. But that kind of love even bound that person together more to learn Spanish as well as the other person that was involved. And if we look at all the different gradations of love, love is more than just a feeling. It may start there. As Charles Filmer, the co-founder of Unity, points out, you know, spiritually and mystically, you know, love is the pure essence of being. It binds the human family together. And he called it the greatest harmonizing principle known to humankind. 
It's something that binds together even when we think everything is against it. It has that kind of power. I remember many years ago when I, when I lived in South Florida, if you ever live in Florida, they have hurricanes like a lot. You know, starts in June and runs through September's hurricane season. And, you know, so I means it's starting up now. You never know when it's going to come. And, of course, when I was very young, you know, I used to say, oh, hurricane, no school. Uh, nowadays, no, you don't want that. But anyway, I remember during the time that we had a hurricane that came, and, and around that time there was a lot of conflict going on in the community between the various groups and different nationalities, and, you know, there was a kind of divisiveness that was going on. Anyway, after the hurricane, you know, the power lines were down, and, and the streets were littered with debris from trees, and it was blocking, you know, people from getting through, and there were days that would go by without electricity, and then food and water suddenly started becoming, you know, scarce as time went on. Yet, I remembered something quite vividly that happened during that time. I just recall how people in the community began to come together and support each other. They came together during this crisis to help people they did not know. They came from miles around. They had neighbors who seldom interacted with other neighbors interacting with them, even people that they did not like that much. People had worked together as if they were a close-knit clan. And so when you look at love as the pure essence of, of, of God that binds together the human family, looking back on that experience, that was love in action. Some people may not have seen it that way. But it was there because there was a power that bound those folks together in a divine harmony. There was a realization of oneness. There's the realization of connection with each other. We remember that the nature of God is love. And we are here to perfect that loving. One person says that love is the completeness of life. And it gives every other spiritual practice that we use its power. You know, Apostle Paul, to paraphrase him from the 13th chapter of the book of Corinthians, who, have, who gave a dynamic treatise on love. There's a lot of things I don't agree about him, but he gave a dynamic treatise on love, and he notes that if you seem to have everything in life, but if you do not have love, he said, you are nothing. He didn't say you don't have much. He didn't say you got, you're missing a few things. He said, you are nothing. And I'm thinking, man, homie, ease up a little bit. That's a little harsh. <laughs> Give us a little slack. But as we understand what the power of it is, then we understand that love is not something that we give. It is something that we are being. It is a way of being. It's an inner power. And our need is not to be loved, although that's a good thing. Our need is to express it. Our need is to be that loving presence. It's letting the light shine, and it's keeping the lights turned on, so to speak, in our life. And it's not because anyone else needs it. It's not because the world needs it, although the world does need more of that connectiveness, that harmonizing energy. 
the most important thing is that we let our light shine because we needed to keep our light turned on. This is the key, I believe. If we do not send everything we do wrapped up in that loving energy, that harmonizing energy, then we begin to bring down our consciousness. We begin to suffer. So we want to keep that light on. We want to stay in the flow of that harmonizing energy that Charles Fillmore talked about. We want to stay in the flow of that rhythm of the universe. And one of the keys to keeping that light on is to salute the divinity in others. There's a song I think we sing from time to time. I kind of messed it up the first service, but I think I got it this time. The God in me beholds the God in you. Namaste. The God in me beholds the God in you. Namaste. All is beautiful. All is well. All is beautiful. All is well. So love is not a simple platitude. <laughs> All righty. It's not merely a nice thing. It's seeing the potential in everyone. Because if we stop seeing that in everyone, the light begins to go off in us. Now, I have to tell you, it's not always easy to see that potential in everyone. I, I was thinking about uh, the time I had a, a new come Some of you became a friend, but it was a classmate. But you, I don't know in your life if you've ever had individuals who just kind of grate that last nerve within you. You may not have had that experience in your life, but just imagine that you did. Because this person, you know, everything that everyone did around him was wrong. And he was constantly attacking everyone with criticism, including myself. I mean, he would criticize so much that you would think that there was some sort of prize in doing that. You know, you say something, they take the contrary point of view. You know, you, you know, when that person walked in the room, the, the thing that you felt like doing was walking right out. That's the kind of person that person ended up showing up for me, at least at that time, at my level of consciousness. And I had a spiritual teacher, a mentor that I used to commiserate with at time to time. And he said, you know, that's a, a lesson in it for you. Because it's an opportunity to, 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 to send positive vibes to that person. Because when individuals are in that state, what they're really doing is crying out for help. They're either scarred or scared or both. And that's how they cope with the situation. And I told them, you know, I don't know it's going to be hard for me to do that because, you know, every time I think about that individual, I, I have bad intentions in my thinking. And he said, okay, you know, just remember every thought is a prayer. And, you know, you can start your prayer out that way, but in your prayer with this finish, Pray for their health. Pray for their well-being. Pray for their prosperity. Pray for their magnificence. And I said, oh, okay, okay. But I tried it, and after a while, even though he may not change that much in the outer, there's a different lens I began to see that person through because my enmity toward him began to disappear. That sense of separation began to disintegrate. That oneness began to emerge despite what I was appearing and having appear in my life. 
This is why I believe the master teacher, Jesus the Christ, said, and I paraphrase here, you have, to, you have heard that you, of old that you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But he said, pray for those who spitefully use you so that you may become sons and daughters of God, sons and daughters of the Most High. Most of us most will easily spend the time to, to pray for our friends, people we like, you know, if they're going through some health challenges or challenges in other ways in their life. It's easy for us to, to, to hold the high watch for them, to hold that higher vibration. But oftentimes we don't spend that same type of energy and time speaking about individuals that we call our foes, people that we do not like, people we know are always wrong, people we call our enemies. You know, now as I quote that, you know, I'm not saying don't pray for your friends. You know, if at some point, if you consider me a friend, pray for me. If, I, if, you, if the situation calls for it, I will accept all of them. But the whole idea is, we want to pray for those that we seem to have some contrary energy with because it expands our point of view. It begins to bring into our daily practice those individuals and people that we don't get along with, we don't agree with, to be totally opposite points of view that they may have. They may be even off what we consider at times. But as we begin to reach out in an inward way, we challenge the perception of isolation. We have expanded our purview of what a neighbor is. And then we begin to discover, as Jesus the Christ described, that the enemy is always within our own household. In other words, it's within our own minds. We've created a construct of separation. And that perception of separation in all areas of our life is where we need to grow and we haven't quite matured yet. Those are opportunities for us to evolve. Because, you know, we often project on other people what is really going on within us. So we want to expand our prayer practice. We want to make it a practice that we consciously embrace individuals past, present, or future that we may be at odds with. This is, that's why, you know, this is why Jesus was like a lot of people, they liked him a lot, but then when he pushed them to this level, they probably said, no, nah, I will follow him no more, you know. Because when I say past, present, or future, you know, we may be at odds with somebody and we're just waiting to get back at them. In our minds, even though it may not be outside of us, maybe within our minds. I can imagine some people have been waiting for this whole time during this pandemic. I've been holding on to this for this individual for all this time. I mapped out in my own awareness what I'm going to say to them, and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind once I see them in person. Forgetting that if you keep giving a piece over here and a piece over there and a piece there, eventually you look around, you have no mind left. <laughs> Don't want to do that. So past, present, and future, you begin to break through any sense of separation. This is one strategy to anchor the peace and the love that exists in the mind of spirit, that exists in the mind of God. So when we say love your enemies and pray for those that spitefully use you, you may not be able to bring yourself to say that, you know, they deserve it. But understand you do it because you deserve it. If a person is upset, confused, bitter, resistant, fearful, sometimes angry because of a so-called enemy or so-called other, the problem in terms of spiritual principle is that we have that within us 
We cannot see what is not also within us. So the enmity is within us, not necessarily in the other person. And they may have done all sorts of things. They have been doing stuff in the external world and on the worldly plane. But the important thing is, is what's going on within us? And if we have enmity and hold it, we're going to suffer. We're going to get the consequences because we're cutting off the flow and the process that makes up life, that makes up vitality and harmony and health and all the good that we desire. We cannot have any of that if we're holding enmity within us in any way, shape, or form because we cannot afford to have thoughts that separate us from the divine. So we want to keep the energy of the divine within us. And remember that God is love. And we are here to perfect our loving. You know, we have all the love that the universe will ever have or has ever had. But we have to accept it. We have to accept it totally and completely. All that has been given to us. You know, I recall, you know, recently I was re-watching a, an interview of Maya Angelou, the late Maya Angelou. And I know that she was a follower of, of this philosophy and was very familiar with the text, Lessons in Truth, which I always say is one of my most important texts to review every once in a while. And she's mentioned that there's a line in that book that says, God loves me. And she read that line to a gentleman who happened to be her mentor at the time, a gentleman named Frederick Wilkerson. And he said to Miss Angelou to read that line, and she read it kind of like, God loves me. And then he said to her, read it again. And she said, well, God loves me. And read it again, God loves me. Then she got to a point where she kind of, something clicked. And she said, God loves me. And something overcame her. And she said many years had passed, and she said those words still humble her. Because she realized this force that we call God, this force we call love, this harmonizing energy made the leaves and the trees and the stars and the trees. I don't know if she said trees or not. I was just trying to rhyme right now. And, but also made you and me. Because of this amazing presence, we can do anything. She said she can do anything. We are one with God. And God is one with us. God is love. It's the harmonizing force of the universe. And we are here to perfect our loving. It's not something that we just give. It's something that we are being. We are being it. Because it says we're spiritual beings. We're not spiritual doings. We're not spiritual gettings. And we begin to absolutely wake up to that when we practice that like never before. And when we do, we not only transform our communities, we begin to transform the very people that are in it, even if they're not conscious of it. There was a man who was 97 years young. And for three years, he had gone to his local fast food restaurant every single day for lunch. Every single day. Happened to be Arby's. 
He never missed a day. And he'd either eat at the lunch or at the restaurant or he'd pick up it, the lunch and take it home with him. And he would order the same thing every single day. It'd be a roast beef sandwich with cheese and a Coke without ice. And after a while, the staff and the manager noticed that this man always ate alone. He was always in silence whenever he came to the restaurant to eat. And eventually, every person in that restaurant memorized his order. They just knew what he was going to order. After a certain time, the, the staff and the manager became curious about this customer and why he would come every day and just eat alone. Because, you know, he needed support of a walker. After a while, when he came after a while, you know, almost on, on cue when they would see him, someone would run to the door to open the door to let him in. And one day the, the manager decided to find out more about this loyal and mysterious customer. And when he showed up, as he usually did, he always did, the manager and the staff went over to him and asked him, why did he come every day? Why did he order the same meal? Why did he always eat alone? And at first, the manager revealed, you know, rather the man revealed nothing about himself. He didn't want anybody to know about himself. But then one day, the manager asked the gentleman, what kept him coming back? And he said, this is the only place I can get a sandwich that doesn't hurt my stomach. And the manager and the staff found out uh, he was a World War II veteran. He didn't have a family. He was alone. He was dealing with health issues and other challenges in his life, as well as his sensitive stomach. And he went on to say that he came to the restaurant because it was the only place he could eat without adversely affecting his health. And the staff was really moved by him and his openness. And, and he revealed that over the years, that place had become like a family for him. And of course, the feeling was mutual because they felt that same connection with him every time he came to the restaurant. And the manager personally looked after the man's meals. And whenever a new staff member would come and join the restaurant, they would be briefed on the man's order. They were extra careful with his meals to make sure it didn't upset his, his stomach or his diet. And he found out he lived in a retirement home, and he only came out for his daily meal at this Arby's restaurant where he considered it to be his second home. And one day there was a customer who saw that one of the employees had slipped into his, on his tray that uh, something, and it was in one of his bags. And the gentleman took out of the bag, and he saw, discovered there was a red card there. And the staff had pulled together money so he could buy them, so they, they could buy him a $200 gift card. And at first he thought it was some sort of joke. But then he was overcome with happiness. He was overcome by the act of generosity that he received. And the love that it was showed to him and expressed toward him by the staff. And he thanked that team. And he said laughingly and kiddingly that, you know, 
I never know if I will be here the next day. But thank you for this. And then some of the staff members gave him their phone numbers and told him that if there ever came a time he couldn't get there to the restaurant, they would bring the food to him. It was a moving story that eventually moved to national news. And, but the staff didn't stop there. They decided to do a little bit more for him. And they came up with a way to offer him unlimited free food for the rest of his life. And there was a local optometrist that heard about the story. He came looking for the man and decided to give him free uh, eye exams and free eyeglasses anytime that he needed it. And needless to say, that 97 young man, year old man, felt immeasurably grateful. He felt immeasurably grateful for the loving gesture he received from his favorite restaurant because he said he had felt forgotten and didn't remember what it meant to really be and to mean to connect with other people, people that supported him, loved him in a way. And I say all that to say that God is love, and we are here to perfect our loving. It is the way of being that keeps everything and everybody together. Peace and blessings to you. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life